Advent, celebrating the arrival of Jesus. And today, uh, we're going to be interviewing and talking with a man who's experienced many trials, many challenges, a man of great wisdom, a man who's seen many, many battles and is full of wisdom, is a wonderful father, a caring and kind husband, I think. I'm just looking at his wife and she's like, she's nodding. Yeah, she's nodding. Ellie's nodding. And so I'd love if we could all put our hands together for Tony Crawford as he comes up. This is a bit awkward, eh? Would you like to stay standing or would you sit down? Stand the whole time. I've got a sore back, so I'd prefer to sit down. (laughs) Here he is, Mr. Tony Crawford. You've been leading uh, worship for over two decades. I'll let that sink in. You must have started when you were about 12. God bless you. (laughs) I actually started leading worship when I was 16. So, 30 years, three decades. Wow. Mm. And you've just had a birthday. Mm. So, 46. 46. Wow, I thought you were younger than that. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and Tony, I I don't know, are you a a Grinch or are you a big fan Christmas? Uh, I think I'm a fan, but I don't think you'd think I was a fan if you saw my tree. (laughs) What's wrong with it? It's... Disgraceful. So, <laughs> so my team are responsible for these trees, the stars, the fairy lights, um, but clearly they haven't been to my house. So, <laughs> hey, and any uh, any Christmas traditions at your house? Like, do you put on any special sweaters or you make eggnog? No, not really. Huh. No speedos, special yeah. speedos. Yeah, I'll often lead worship in speedos. Oh, okay. On the last Sunday. Don't miss that Sunday. Don't Maybe miss a that Sunday, Sunday to miss, I don't know. <laughs> Christmas speedos. <laughs> hey, hey, Tony, you've had uh, over, the, over the last few decades in leading worship, you've had many opportunities to see uh, lots of different gatherings and the way that we respond in worship. Hey, can you, can you actually just give us some of your observations of us as we worship or what you've experienced over the decades? What do you, what do you see? Because you see everything. He has some really interesting observations. <clears throat> um, it's interesting to see. Uh, I, I would liken leading worship on stage and watching people worship like seeing a couple kissing in a cafe. Um, you know when you, you look across a cafe and you see a couple gazing into each other's eyes this is a bit awkward, but... Um, <laughs> like this moment here? Yeah, like, like this. Where's this going? And, and, they're, and they're gazing into each other's eyes, and they've got eyes for no one but each other, and they're like, I love you, I love you, and they hold hands. Um, that's what it looks like from up here, um, if you love Jesus. Um, and uh, it, can, it can also be quite hard to be up here as well, looking out there knowing that... Your mate's got prostate cancer, and he's he's struggling to really find hope, particularly to stay on point and on on theme. You know, what does it look like to actually sing in hope uh, when uh, the crap's hit the fan? So we see that, and uh, we can tell uh, that we can tell the folding of the arms. Uh, I don't like this one. 
I don't like this song. Oh, I should just pick something else. Um, this is not on my playlist that I sent these through. These guys don't do that. No, these guys don't. It's the 11.30 and the 8.30. Oh. <laughs> we'll take that. <laughs> Tony, you, you have had uh, many, many challenges, and it's easy to say, hey, you, you should have hope. Uh, you know, you, you need to have hope. Hey, have hope. You've, you've got Jesus. But I know for you and Ali, you've had... Um, some situations where you've probably had no hope, uh, especially with your son Noah, with his operation on his heart. Can you just give us a little bit of that season and what that looked like for you guys and, and how you actually found a way through that? Yeah, so we, uh, we have a little, uh, <clears throat> a little son, Noah. He was four years old at the time. Um, and one day he was uh, watching TV and coughing and complaining of his having a sore body. Um, so he picked him up, I said, look, I'll take him, put him in the shower, and he had a really high fever, and uh, took his shirt off, and he had um, the right side of his chest and around his back was swollen, um, and we were like, oh my goodness, what the, what the heck is this, and we were living at the, in Auckland at the time, so we quickly got our, our young two-year-old daughter up, raced the Starship Hospital, he had a fever of 41, um, they took him straight out the back, and next thing you know, there's six doctors around him slapping drips in each hand, trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, took him for a CT scan, <clears throat> and uh, turns out he had a, a hole in his lung. So he had blown a hole out the top of his lung, and the, and the swelling was actually air, escaping from his uh, lungs, filling up his right side and up his neck, and, and, uh, and they didn't know what to do. They'd said to us, hey... Uh, has he been hit by a bus? Has he fallen off the roof of the house? These injuries are consistent with being hit by a bus or something. You know, you don't burst your lung. Um, and long story short, pilot scans revealed that um, they, they actually left that. They let the pressure grow so great on the outside that they didn't operate. Uh, but they were going to cut him open there and then, but they just didn't know what to do. Um, so they let the pressure grow of the air escaping into his chest and it pressured the wound and it healed from the inside out. So thank the Lord for that. Um, but in the process, we found out the reason he had uh, bad lungs, I guess, if you will, is he had a hole in his heart and uh, the blood was coming in one side, getting oxygenated and then being pumped back in through a hole to the other side again. And uh, the right side of his heart was twice the size of his left. Um, so we um, went to the hospital had the tests and all that kind of stuff. You can either have one of two operations if you have heart issues. Um, uh, you can either go through the vein in the leg uh, or you can go through that way. So, And it wasn't the leg. So he has a special zip now, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, the, the whole process for us, I guess, uh, I guess for us we were like, why, why us, God? Like, what have we done to you? Like, man, this is stink. Uh, after all my years serving you, this is what we get? Like, I mean, they're real challenges. And uh, um, we probably had lost a little bit of hope in that season and felt like uh, maybe God had shafted us. Um, and, yeah, uh, when we um, had the open-heart surgery, I carried him into theatre. I felt like I was having a little bit of a breakdown because it was very traumatic. Um, we came back and we cried and hugged and 
And then we sort of didn't talk for a while because we just didn't know, know what to say. Um, <clears throat> and I know this is not the peace week, it's the hope week, but uh, um, we didn't have peace either. So we went and sat up in Ronald McDonald House. The, our operation was about three and a half hours long and uh, just sat there devastated, like, what the heck, our whole world, like, he, he may not wake up from this, they're going to they're gonna turn his heart off, they're going to turn his lungs off, put him on bypass and um, do what they're going to do and hope that they can restart them. That's not the kind of hope that I, I liked. Um, but we, we prayed and um, I could only explain it as a thick, like a thick wet blanket fell on us and it covered us like a, um, yeah, like a giant bodysuit, I guess. Um, if you can just visualise me in a giant bodysuit. Just <laughs> let that sink in. Um, and we instantly had peace. It was crazy. Um, so much so we sort of stopped <laughs> like being hopeless and uh, we went to the gym and we went to a cafe and then we went to the warehouse. Um, yeah. Had a funny thing happen in the warehouse actually. <clears throat> I was um, shopping to buy him a present. We knew he was coming out of theatre soon and we just had this ridic- ridiculous joy, this ridiculous hope, this ridiculous peace. Um, that I can't explain. Um, it was like nothing was happening. And um, I'm in this uh, section of the warehouse looking for a robot for him, very into robotics. And um, yeah, this woman came up to me. She was African-American. She had very, very dark skin, and she had a white afro, a bleached white afro. Uh, you, you remember someone like that. And she had a red warehouse T-shirt, um, and she said to me, you know, you know can, I, can I help you? What are you looking for? I said, oh, I'm looking for a robot, but um, warehouses do stink. You guys don't have those. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she said to me, oh, okay, well, I said, oh, look, I, like, I've got to go. I've got to go, and, um, I've got to go and see my son. As I walked away, she looked at me really, like, quite shocking, and she said, you can trust him, you know. I'm like, excuse me? Do you know me? And she said, he, he's good. I'm like, what? What? And she said, he's holding his, your son's heart in his hand right now. I'm like, I've, I've, got, I've got to go. Like, why, why are you working here? <laughs> like, you have a gift. You should do something with this gift. Ah, and I sort of walked out in a state of shock. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I thought, flipping heck, no, I've got to talk to her one more time. And I ran back in. Do you think I could find her? No, she doesn't work there. So um, I went to the manager and said, hey, there's a, this woman. I explained what she's like. Uh, you don't forget that face. And he said, mate, we don't have anyone like that here. I said, I just talked to her on the, on the toy section. And, uh, and, and she, she just told me something fabulous. And uh, he said, sorry, mate. Never seen her. So. It's kind of ruined my childhood visions of angels. <laughs> With the big wings and the whole oh, trumpets and afros. Nah. Very descriptive. Very yeah, descriptive. yeah. And Tony, uh, look, it's often good to hear the stories on the other side. You know, it's like, 
going through this hard time, God turned up. But here this morning, I know there'll be people that are actually feeling like you were pre-getting that message and seeing your son come through that actually hope, hope's deferred right now, that there's, a, there's people in the room without hope. Uh, you've, you've had many trials, one of them being with your voice after leading worship and it bringing great hope to your soul as you led worship. Uh, you almost lost your voice and, 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 and through that season, what, what could you say to us today that would actually help us that perhaps still on the other side that haven't found a way through or haven't actually found hope? What, what would you say through the lessons in your life in relation to that? Like, you need to know what you know. Like, you need to know it. Nobody can give it to you. Like, if faith is, like Hebrews 11 says, if faith is the confidence and hope, yeah? Faith is being confident of what we hope for. Um, what is it you actually hope for? Like, I guess for me, I had, uh, when I lost my voice, I actually had surgery on my voice. Um, yeah, okay, I'll tell you. Um, I, uh, I'm, I've been classified as legally handicapped with my voice. Um, some of you are like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That does not surprise me. Um, I only have one working vocal cord. So the other one is paralysed and little and deformed and sits to the left and doesn't touch the other one. So if you, if you know anything about singing, the way you pitch a note is the way the chords vibrate together. If they vibrate fast, it's a high note. If they vibrate slow, it's a, it's a low note. And if they don't touch, it usually just sounds like... So, so I can't explain how I can talk to you now. I can't explain how I can sing. Um, I went to hospital to have my voice uh, made better because I've always had this kind of raspy thing going on. Um, but, and some people might like it, but I didn't like it because um, it's quite limiting for a singer. Um, and uh, I've had 30-plus endoscopies, which is a camera up the nose, down the throat, um, and uh, they're sort of looking at your cords and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I had surgery to fix my uh, uh, cord and they injected something into the left-hand side and it basically made a big lump in the cord and I lost my voice completely. So um, I went from leading five gatherings on a Sunday, worship every week, to not being able to talk at all, uh, which was quite shocking. Um, seven and a half months. Um, and if you know me, <laughs> you know Go how on. shocking that is. <laughs> <coughs> That's all I can say. Um, and I had to hang my hat on what I hoped for. Like, I know, I know Jesus heals. I've seen him do it. I've been in meetings. I've prayed for people. We've been healed. I, I'm going to need you to do that for me. Uh, otherwise, I'm screwed. My surgeon has said to me, uh, you need to get a new career. Uh, it's over, Red Rover. You'll never sing again. Uh, we're really sorry, but we need to cut your throat, take your vocal cord out, rebuild your whole voice box. Um, it's over. I had a CT scan uh, to show where the implant was, um, and uh, it was in the wrong place. And uh, I was due to have surgery two weeks from that, so clearly something happened in that two weeks. 
uh, I was at a prayer meeting at a little old lady's house, and it actually was really amazing because she was here a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, she came down the front. She's 82. Um, and she came, she's like, hi, oh, you're still doing it. Uh, so uh, when I went to her house, I had lost my voice. Um, when I left, uh, I had apparently swallowed the implant uh, into my stomach and my voice was fixed. So, so I actually... Uh, <clears throat> so there's nothing in the world you could say to me that would make me not believe that. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. Um, to, to lose what you feel is your destiny, your gift, your reason for being on the planet, to lose it and then to have God give it back. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually unsettling. It's unsettling when you really think of the, the fork in the roads that we're in. Uh, fast forward a few years, we're at Bethel in America. Um, it's as crazy as you think it is. Um, and uh, uh, I'm watching the band, and it's just really ridiculously loud, and they're playing, it's rah, and it all of a sudden goes silent, and I can still see their hands moving and all their mouths moving. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going deaf as well, um, which, yeah, wouldn't be uh, unheard of for a musician. Um, and I, I feel God coming close and says to me, ask me that question. I'm like, what What question? Ask me that question you've been wanting to ask me for a long time. I'm like, why did you hear my voice? Like, like it's not obvious to me. Because I was, I was uh, the worship pastor leading worship. And then after my surgery, I wasn't. I just, I didn't really pick that, that mantle back up again. And I was very confused as to why he had done that for me. Like whether he wanted me to do something great for him, whether he wanted me to, you know, help people. And he came in really, really close and he said to me, his answer is ridiculous. Um, he said, because I knew you'd like it. I was like, wow, that's, that's a really complicated answer. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I knew you'd like to talk to your wife. I knew you'd love to talk to your kids growing up and... And I love it when you sing. I was like, but what about the, the, the purpose and the, and the destiny and, the, and all that stuff? And he said, um, that's all a bonus. That's, that's not the be on end all. And yeah, I, I sometimes think when we lose hope and we lose, we lose sight of, of this thing, it's actually because we lose sight of him. Because healing isn't something that Jesus does. Healing is who he is. And we lose sight of him. And then we just, uh, uh, scriptures in Hebrews um, about, um, uh, we have this hope, which is an anchor for our soul. Like, we, we need an anchor for our soul because the world will toss us to and fro. I mean, this year, for goodness sakes, this COVID year, what a crazy year of tossing to and fro. But we, the believers are the stewards of hope. We are the ones who have the message of hope hidden inside us. And if we can't articulate that, it stays hidden. And then when the storms come, it's the only time it really seems to come out because we don't seem as shaken as other people. 
And people say, wow, you got, you're carrying something that I really want. I'm sorry that I haven't made that more evident with what I've said. We do Easter Friday really, really well as believers. We, we remember that Jesus died for our sins because we all feel like sinners. And maybe we still live from a place of shame and, and pain and hopelessness. Uh, and we don't do Easter Sunday super great because we don't really know how to articulate the hope that we carry. And uh, I just, yeah, I would love to just to challenge every single one of us today, me included. Um, what is this hope that you carry? What is it? Think about that. Meditate on that today. Meditate on it. When you come to worship, it's the key ingredients of the room. Often we are up here, I'll be up here five gatherings on a Sunday. I'll play the same songs. I'm the same person. I've been anointed the same way. We have a different result. Could it be that it's got very little to do with what's happening up here and a lot to do with the faith that you're bringing? So if faith is being confident of what you hope for, it's the evidence in the room of the things that are unseen. It's the evidence of what you're believing God for. There's a chance that on Sunday, some of us hope for nothing. It's a shocking reality, but we need to, we need to understand. I hope that this gathering doesn't take long. I hope, you know, I hope he's not as long-winded as he normally is. Like, like, that's not hope. That's rubbish. That's trash. That's junk food. I hope I encounter the living God today. I hope Jesus heals me today. I hope he restores my broken heart today. And then we have that faith and we lean into that hope we have and he turns up because he's, he's addicted to faith. So when you bring faith and he turns up in the room, it's because of you. It ain't because of these guys. Sorry guys to let you know that. Uh, yeah, bring, bring faith, bring faith. Bring what you hope for and let it move you forward. Tony, thank you. Thank you for your life of faith and hope and for who you are to our community. It's obvious that God has been doing miracles through you and in you and He's going to continue to do so. I just think it would be great if actually we all in a moment stand up and, and if you could pray actually for people that may need healing here today. Uh, there's obviously that on your life, but also for those that are perhaps facing incredibly challenging circumstances right now that hope is deferred that would be awesome if you could pray for those that need hope as well so why don't we all stand yeah, awesome. and Tony will get you to pray alright if that's you if, you if you need a miracle if you have got some sickness in your body or something really dumb that you've lived with your whole life like an ankle injury or a back injury or would you just lift your hands now? Um, lift them, lift them high. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed about. If you've got a broken heart as well, um, maybe lift your hand as well. And if you feel also too that this year has rocked your hope and you feel a little bit hopeless, would you lift your hand as well? Dear Jesus, 
I know who you are, who you said you are. I have seen it. God, would you show these believers, these followers of yours, what you're like. God, I ask right now by your power, you would heal. You would bind up the brokenhearted. God, bring fresh hope into people's hearts and their minds, Lord God. Let them know that you are good. Lord, I pray that there would be many, many, many anchors going down today. Many anchors of hope. And Lord, for every single person who's walked in feeling sick or ill or carrying a sickness or or a diagnosis that right now in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus and what you paid for us for on the cross we declare healing in the name of Jesus God we ask that you would by the stripes of your son heal those who need healing today and Jesus we give you all the glory you are a good God you love us You are for us. Lord, let hope arise in us today. In your beautiful and wonderful name we pray. Amen.